Hey, you got Frank from the Everyday Sniper here. Early in the morning, first thing in Alaska, I made it up. I gotta tell you a story, man. My first friggin' night in Alaska, I go to sleep, I wake up like 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Just woke me up. Turn over, blood on my pillow, I got a spot in the middle of the back of my neck, man. Like just this little pinpoint pin spot. The aliens came in, yanked out another probe or something. I had that one that was about three inches to the left of that. Now I got this other one and they hit this spot right in the, every time I come up to Alaska, they come up and grab something or put something in on me. It's like totally annoying. So then we get up, I go over to Wiggy's, see my buddy Mark. Mark was in the Marine Corps with me and he's got just an interesting story of any, or that I have, because for a lot of them, Mark was there. So here's Mark Taylor. He runs Alaska Precision Rifle up here with me and the owner of Wiggy's Alaska. Good morning, fellas. Yeah, these students we got up here are really spun up right now. Uh, we socialized last night after their day one. They got um, a lot of improvement in their groups. Big and time. We saw, saw yeah. a little bit of hits on steel out to 400. And uh, those guys are really, really spun up. Uh, day two is always, always a better day. Uh, we got a lot planned for them today. Go right back into uh, restricting their zero, getting it down, getting it a little bit smaller. And then move out to some long-range steel. Yeah, well, they did classroom. I had my PowerPoint. I used a little shorter PowerPoint with them this time. Kind of a little mix of the original Alaskan prison precision rifle and the one I used for Mile High. Just trying to get a little less classroom, a little more streamlined so we can get them more rounds on the range. Because I think that works out well. You get late into the afternoon, you start losing people. So instead, boom, we're at the range by 2 o'clock we're shooting. And because the sun doesn't go down here, we don't chase the sun. Yeah, we shot till six yesterday, which was seemed turned out perfect. Yeah, because you come back and you can't socialize too long. Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You start at five o'clock and it gets a little bit over overwhelming. So tell everybody how you met me, your background in the Marine Corps, and what's going on up here in Alaska, man. Give them the whole why is Frank in Alaska today? I think I uh, was at Scout Sniper Instructor School when I heard your name, Frank. Um, you were coming over from Bravo Company, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was my buddy Hendo who called me. Well, we talked. You know, you didn't have a cell phone back then. We talked, and he said he had this guy in mind, uh, bring it, like to bring him into the platoon, been to ARS. That's always a positive. Guy's a little bit trained up. So um, I said, hey, is he, is he, a, good, uh, is he a good fit? Because I wasn't all into the, the whole uh, indoctrination thing. The only guys that had an indoc were recon, and they were washing out real good people. I mean, recon is full of great people, but, but hey, man, occasionally you wash out a really good, really good mind. Right, right. A really good shooter, maybe. Um, so I wasn't all into the in-doc. So basically we brought Frank in and got him schooled up at, uh, 2nd Marine Division. Um, and we had a great time. Went on a couple deployments together, around the world a couple times, uh, got in a little bit of trouble, not too much. It was mostly me keeping Frank out of trouble because he has a big mouth <laughs> and I'm sure you guys know that. And basically, um, well, he just likes to talk, talk what's on his mind, has no filter, and so occasionally I had to pull him off of an admiral or two, here and there, <laughs> you know, when we're on floats. So uh, always keeping Frank out of trouble. All right. So uh, let's talk rifles, man. Where do we link back up? Was it um, SHOT Show? But I don't remember what year because you've been up in Alaska for a while. I, I found this thing called Sniper's Hide. And I'm, I'm rooting around in there and just looking around. And and, uh, and there he is, Frank Galley. And, and, or SH Lowlight. And then I saw reference to your name. Or something, and I just I, I think I sent you a PM, and I said this is Frank Galley, like like Lance Corporal Frank Galley, because this is Taylor, 
And we linked up there. And I was going to shot. He was going to shot. I cruised through. And you, I think you had a booth at that time. Yep, I did. Uh, so we, we, I cruised through. And that was it, man. Big old man, man hug. And we were all back together. But uh, this, this Alaska Precision Rifle course came about because of a need. Uh, I saw up here, uh, I wanted to get back into instructing in some small way. And basically, uh, Frank had uh, instruction already going on. I had access to a bunch of potential students. Little did I know, you know, in year one we did 34, 34 bodies, I think. This year we got 105 bodies, man. It's crazy growing up here. These guys are bringing beautiful equipment to the course. You got your, uh, we got a couple hunters, mm-hmm. you know, who come with absolutely their 270 hunting hunting kit. Yep. But they do well, and, and what they do is excite themselves. And usually they go away and build a really nice precision rifle and and come back to the course again. Yeah, yeah. We a lot of RPRs. Mike puts them. The, oh, Mike, yeah, Mike. Mark puts the RPRs to, uh, together for these guys. So they, they do turn, a package deal. Yeah, he does a package, and they turn them into Taylor clones, man. So they got Seekins, Magpul, you know, different grips and stuff. He gets them a certain scope. So when we end up doing a lot of these classes now, it, it's like these guys are already vetted because you do the train up, get them spun up before I even get up here, and then I can see the guys that up. Oh, that guy worked with Mark. That guy up. Oh, that guy didn't work with Mark. Yeah, you know, I, I offer a two-day train-up <clears throat> about two or three weeks before we start our June cycle. And uh, it gets guys, gets their head in the game, gets some proper fundamentals already placed so that we don't have to struggle too much on the line. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. The, I mean, the range is is not perfect, but, um, yeah, it's just the way it it, it goes down and, and, and they make it. Oh, we got James here. Say, James is a listener to podcast. Say hi, James. Hello. Hello. Everybody's getting coffee. We got the Ox Box in here with Mark. And so this is our coffee uh, spot. James Drayton, one of my students, mm-hmm. he uh, rolled into my store, heard about the Precision Rifle course. We became buddies before we came, became shooting buddies. But he, I brought him along, um, got him into a TRG. Yep. I'm a TRG fan. Yep. You know, I've got other uh, I got other rifles. Now I've got an AI, Frank. Hey, now you got an yeah. AI. Where did that come from? I finally got an AI. Um, but we got, got James spun up. And into into shooting, and now he's a pretty good shot. But he's my right hand man up here with the, with respect to the course. Gives me a lot of help. What's like the top three things you see that we correct? Like we do the fundamental eval on everybody, and we see these guys come in like a soup sandwich. Uh, lack of trigger control. Yeah, no trigger control is a big one. Uh, the fo- zero follow through. You'll get one guy in the class start out with follow through. Nobody, I'm, they're all tapping the trigger. I'm a maniac for cheek weld. Yeah, and f- and for holding cheek weld through a a a. Uh, shot sequence and these guys immediately spring up from their rifles after a shot i caught a guy yesterday just peeking up i said what are you what are you trying to do see it go through the paper it's not going to happen yeah you know yeah and and then i see because their bipods are too loose they can't that little and it's a little ghetto right can't we actually get behind them and we're looking at it and it's like is he yeah he is and and from their face in those harrises with no pod locks they just push those rifles right over to me that's a big one that i see um, pretty consistent down the line is guys are canting. I'm a massive proponent of a bipod that has a wide stance, and you can get that uh, pinnacle or, or, or uh, focal point focal though. point of, of stability above the rifle barrel. You know, you got an imaginary imaginary triangle there made by these two legs, and what it provides is a really solid platform for the forward part of the rifle, and it it drags them through the recoil. In a way that uh, uh, 
it feeds them. Yeah. Uh, so recoil control. Down. Yeah, it, it feeds them. Lock, it locks down, but it feeds them. It, it brings them into recoil control mm -hmm. and and follow through in a way that uh, a loose bipod's not going to do. Yeah, the Harris's just don't work, man. They're just crazy and big. And if you don't have a pod lock on your Harris, you have to at minimum have a pod lock on it because they can't tighten them up enough. And, and some of the guys are bigger guys and stuff. And when they lay their head on that rifle, it just automatically starts rolling over on them. You know, so that's a one we have to fix. Accuracy-wise, everybody's been pretty good, though. I mean, they start off like a minute and a half, almost two minutes, some of them, because they're used to shooting a pie plate. By the end of the class, they're all within half-minute shooters, and some a little better than that. They're not used to scrutiny. Yeah. And we're laying down on the, on the ground with them, Frank, and getting in their face pretty much, and not trying to intimidate at all, but trying to build. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we call it hammer-forged fundamentals. We're basically not going to let you get away with anything up here. Mm -hmm. Hey, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And then let's talk about the, um, the whole setup because this can become a pretty good destination for somebody coming up to the lower 48 because we're up here in Talkeetna at the Sheep Creek Lodge and they take super care of us. It's almost self-contained. You know, now there's some road construction, which is annoying as hell. Uh, between the lodge and the range, the Alaska's doing their 24-7 work. But that'll go away. Yeah, but um, tell everybody, you know, finding the Sheep Creek, hooking up with that, and then getting getting this class off. When Frank and I decided to put this together, uh, I had I had basically christened a range up here that had just put in a 1,000-yard burn. Took my 308 out there and 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 spun up, I think, 11.4 that day and, and nailed it in the shoulder. Wasn't it wasn't a dead center hit. I got to admit to that. But on a, on a cold boy hit... I christened the range. Well, that gave us a place to shoot. Now I needed a place to, to, to house bodies. And right down the road at mile 88 of the Parks Highway um, was Sheep Creek Lodge. So I approached the owner there. She had a couple lodge rooms, which Frank and I occupy. And then she has nine out cabins, which are really nice inside. Mm -hmm. uh, log cabins. And the guys stay there. They fill them up for uh, excellent breakfast, excellent box lunches for us. We uh, we dine at night on on everything from burgers and and whatnot. I had a uh, what was it a pulled pulled, pulled pork? No no no. It was a pulled brisket sandwich last night. It was outstanding. They smoked it and did it all in house. But uh, great food, great atmosphere in a lodge in Alaska within view of Mount uh, Denali. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why we're not getting a lot more bodies up here. We don't really advertise <laughs> you guys up uh, down there that much, you know. We got Darren. Darren's here from, yeah, from, Darren's from, from Florida. Florida. Jim Bacuzzi's yeah. here. He's from Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and those pilots and stuff, but they find it through me and the blog and different things. And we just don't, because of course, we had a guy uh, at the team challenge said his buddy tried to get in here for the class, but like, you know, last month, you got to be, and you know, we're full. In, I start when at the last course, after the last day, Frank and I sit down and we plan out the following year. And we make sure the lodge is on board, the range is on board before we even even start uh, putting mm -hmm. it all in place. Before I fly off, we already have it sorted. We got it sorted out for next year. Now, I don't like dealing with potential students all of my time. I've got a, I've got a retail store to run. So what I do is I hold them off to about November, December. Then I start placing them into slots. I want their money in January so I can get all that money sorted out and get everything, applications out of the way. So by Janu end of January, I've got 80, 90 slots filled. Yep. And it's incredible. But this year we added an, an additional course because I had so many overflow uh, students who wanted to be in the course. I created a, a, a shoot around our course 
in September around what the the lodge has an anniversary here. Yeah, and we do a reunion shoot every year that brings everybody back from the year and from previous years. And we just rock it. We just have a great time with a lot of steel, a, a nice steel package, mm-hmm. uh, a, an alcohol package at the, at the lodge yeah. the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody's coming to the dragon to the line, but it's a lot of fun. We can attest to the alcohol <clears throat> package, man. We hammer it up there. We, we, we've been pacing ourselves because we have extra class. So that's an extra set of bodies who want to drink with Mark and Frank. So then we spend all night telling stories, telling lies. Oh, how did this happen? And people ask it. It wasn't. About, li- it wasn't alive, Frank. No, it wasn't alive. No, it wasn't Are you alive. sure? <laughs> <laughs> so we go into some of the Marine Corps days and and, and what's going on there. Um, what else? I'm gonna ask you another thing about the. Uh, what were we talking about in the car up? Oh, so we we, we had a really good conversation <laughs> in the car going up. It's just you can't hear in the Wiggy Van, man. The Wiggy Van's a little too rickety. 1990 Chevy G10. Beautiful white. The, the Wiggy Van. It's a little pink. <laughs> but it's a beautiful van. Runs what it's great. So what were you saying about, like, the state of instruction and how you see it in way, uh, through the eyes of, like, the students and stuff? I think um, the state of instruction in Alaska or state of instruction Yeah, in you can do wherever, however you... What I, what I get is, is students coming to our course who have been to courses in the lower 48... And they're telling us unanimously that this is hands down a better course. And I think it's because of we've built something with a social environment. We've built something with an instructional environment. And we're down there on the line with them. We're shooting in front of them, Frank. Mm-hmm. They don't, a, lot of, a lot of instructors don't like to do that yeah. in case instructor has a bad day. We don't have bad days, Frank. Nope. So basically, um, uh, we shoot with the students, show them what they should be doing. Frank and I do a lot of detailed um, um, one-on-one instruction, and what that's created is an environment where these students um, uh, are pushing it. They're just pushing hard. I mean, they're coming in at one and a half and going out at three quarters. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're getting snipers now. We're getting law enforcement trickling in. Uh, we had a we had a sniper last year, mm-hmm. uh, a law enforcement sniper, and he stood up at the end of the class and he said, "I've had a lot of instruction." But nothing like this. Yeah. Well, because we do. We do all that stuff. We I have a really good PowerPoint package I put together. We do go up and shoot. We demo. We put them on the line. We get them all. And the steel's not gigantic. But we get them all on steel. Um, so that all works out real good. And then I know something that I've never really done in the past. But, but you did. When we came up and started this together, you kind of pushed our pedigree. Because people don't realize like some of the stuff we did in the, in the Marines. And, I mean, you being the scout sniper instructor... And then running the platoon, me working underneath you, and, and then going around the world to the Gulf and stuff like that. So there's a little bit more pedigree between with you and I. There's a, there's a dynamic is what it is. And, and it's because we go back 30 years, um, it's, it's very, it's very uh, unique, I, I think you could say. You know, instruct, shooters find each other, but rarely do you have a, a, a couple guys who've been together for 30 years. Yeah, and we play off each other really well because yes. we got the similar sense of humor. Uh, the first time Mike met you at Vegas, but we, we went to dinner at Ferraro's there, yep. and, 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 and he walks out the door with me, and you guys go to your hotel. You stay across the street. Mike and I go back over to our side, and he, he goes, I get it. I yeah. get it. Why it works. But, Why well, it works. No, but how I act, the way you are. And, and so uh, he, basically he's saying, I'm a Taylor clone. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can see it when we're together. There's a, there's a lot of it. So why is Frank that way? Why does Frank say that? Mark, you know, there's a lot of those early years. Mark always pushed us to be better on the line. 
You know, he, 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 like we're doing in this class, he always came down the line and did the same thing. You know, why is your wrist like that? Why is your foot like that? Why is that like that? And he didn't get away with it, even though we we're all buddies. And so there's a lot of that stuff that spilled over. So I think that th there's elements on the military side that when he and I were in, uh, I, I was telling some, somebody's asking us last night, you know, about the kids today and the class and the training today. And I tell him, I said, dude, we're just analog back then. You know, we, we were living in an analog world and we had to kind of function under those conditions and, and do everything anybody else would be doing. So it, it's one of those deals that I think it, it works out really well, uh, us being on the same page. We didn't have GPS, Frank. Nope. We didn't it was it. that rude or it, or it was that crude. And it was, it was basically, we were in, in the Marine Corps during a time uh, between wars. I mean, we got a little bit of combat experience, which is great, but, but we were between wars. So we were holding it all together for the guys who would come along in the 90s mm -hmm. and take over and actually go, go out there and spend seven months in a year in a, in a combat zone. So. Yeah, definitely for sure. So, I mean, one of the things was I never pushed my military background to that degree. I mean, it's on the website, you know, people know. But I don't get that same Franks and Marine sniper respect through the internet and that community as someone else might get just because I never push it out. But with Mark, we embrace our background and our Marine Corpsism and stuff. And so that becomes a feature of the class. The banter back and forth, the go you know, the 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 stories and the things. And you know, in the middle of class, you're 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 giving some instructions. You might see like an eyelid start to droop. And there, and, there, and there can be a little five-minute banter about something. We're laughing. Hey, Taylor, remember that time we did this? And, and then it everybody... Brings, it rolls them right back in. Yeah, it perks them right up again, you know? Not that they're falling asleep in the class. It's just, you, you, originally, there was a bit of death by PowerPoint. And over the years, I've whittled it down. Um, you know, we Mark felt they weren't getting that kind of instruction, uh, you know, from the other classes. Most people let you just go out and shoot. It's a, it's a case of, you know, oh, I'm going to go out there and we're going to lay down and we're just going to let everybody shoot and I'll spot for you and then I'll call you back on hits and misses and it'll be good. We teach them. We give them tools. You know what I mean? Let so, a student feel like a student. Right. Get him in a classroom environment, a clean classroom environment, well lit, and let's get him uh, taking notes. Yep. And, 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 and we get a lot of that. Yep. We get a lot of good note taking and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I think it's pretty darn good. And, and it is a good program. I've refined it over the years. And for me, it's how to present that information in a way that people can absorb and understand instead of just throwing numbers at somebody. Because, I mean, it, you know, they, they throw numbers at people to sound smart. And you can get so many numbers in what we're doing here with Precision Rifle. But it, it's just, it, it's a case of, what are you going to do, man? It, it, it's... You just flood them with numbers. And, and the and, guy with his 270, right. poor guy, he sits back there and he glazes. And he's over. wasted because we do get that mix. We get that mix of the hunter and we accommodate him. You know, we had the three guys who, who were set up for, like, you know, sitting bipods, uh, tall. Like, they couldn't go prone. Yeah, prairie dog hunter, sure. So, you know, hey, let's get this and put them on a bench. And we are not afraid to put somebody who's out of their element on a bench where normally the people don't want to do that. No, the class is all prone going here. You're going to suffer. Yep. Here, get on the bench, man. We want you to get something out of it as well. So we accommodate those kind of guys. And, and I think that works out really, really well for all levels of students. You know, you got the new guys with the high speed, low drag gear, the old guys with the hunting equipment who heard about it and want to be a better hunter. 
and and they both get an equal amount out of it. The new guy with the computers and the high speed stuff isn't getting catered to because I talk a lot of software and computers. I haven't touched a single computer up here yet. I mean, I explained how to do it. We looked at it. There are guys using their phones, but I'm not putting on a computer class like I might in the lower 48. You know what I mean? Because when you guys come to class, it's all about that software. It's all about that computer. And, you know, up here, these guys are coming in the context where my phone, my computer, and that kind of stuff's not going to work in the middle of winter. And, and so they're, they're always conscious of their weather, you know, and their alien crap and the invasions and pulling shit out of my Bigfoot, neck. Bigfoot, lava to stumble. Oh, oh we had Bigfoot up here. Yeah, I found Bigfoot several times. If you go um, on my Facebook page, you can find me with the Yeti checks. One of the first classes, we had some guys that were outstanding Yeti trackers. And so they brought me over to the, to the sweet spot. And I've got some great photographs. I got some hair. I got footprint footprint samples. But then, you know, yesterday on the other side of the road, bull moose right on the side of the road. We Absolutely. Are, you know, we go by. So um, it's good. It's it's a really good program. Mark, the big thing, Thunderbeast suppressors, man. People want to know all. What about? We have several podcasts already. I don't know if you heard them or not about suppressors, and everybody wants to know. And we say, you know, when in doubt, default the Thunderbeast. Well, your well, yesterday I won't mention the brand, mm-hmm. but we had a guy shooting a suppressor, and and everybody wants to be suppressed, and his groups he 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 was concentric in his group, but it wasn't small enough for me, and the guy's a law enforcement officer. Well, come to find out, his suppressor's got a couple moving parts that may be vibrating or something like that, and so basically we pulled aren't, this pulled the suppressor working off. in harmony. Aren't working in harmony, mm-hmm. and we pulled his suppressor off, and boom, there comes his there's his group right there. So I, I don't tend to have that problem with the Thunderbeast suppressors, though. And so I try to put a guy in Thunderbeast suppressors up here. I might be the biggest small Thunderbeast depressor, uh, suppressor dealer in the United and States. You, they love me. They love me at Thunderbeast, and I love them, too. You have the only kiosk until Fairbanks, right? Yeah. The, the, I, I had the only uh, silencer shop kiosk in the state for about a year. Then people found out I was selling suppressors like like it was crazy. And so they wanted in on the action. Well, they got a little bit of action, but I'm still I'm still top dog. Still king on the hill. Yeah, See, because what they don't up here, man, nobody's crying and saying they're going to wait for the uh, bill to pass so they don't have to pay the tax stamp. We all know they're practical up here. Let me let me tell you guys something about that bill. Take it like this: this is, a suppressor is a gentleman's accessory. Guys who have nice toys outfit their nice toys with nice accessories. Well, if you keep this thing as a daunting process. With a little bit of weight and a little bit of background check, the average thug can't get into the game, Frank. Mm. And then w- once we have the average thug getting in here and people start shooting each other with suppressors, they're going to go away. Right, right. Because they're an accessory. They, they are listed as a firearm for NFA reasons, but it's an accessory to your rifle, and they can take them away. Yeah. I'm not trying to scare anybody here. It's not, you know That's just, probably never going to happen. If you're but, waiting for this thing to pass before you buy a suppressor, you're wasting your time. Just don't. get it. I mean, we come up here, even the, the uh, Mark gives visiting rights to people who come to the class. And uh, we did that reunion shoot. There had to be almost 40 Thunderbeasts on the line. We had th- I had 37 Thunderbeasts in possession. We had 40 students waiting, you know, and we passed them out. And we had a nice, quiet line, Fred. Mm-hmm. Nice Except quiet. for three guys. Three guys. We put them on the end. Yeah. 
now we got a covered we got a covered thing man so when it does eventually rain up here we'll, we'll have some uh, cover over us yep so. big high cover which doesn't hold sound mm-hmm. and we got a nice wide we had a would they approached me before they built this thing and i made sure that they weren't going to build a shallow with no depth cover like a pistol range mm-hmm. cover so it's nice and wide um plenty of room for the for the spotter to walk around the instructor to walk around behind with a uh, tripod and move around the shooter and the shooter's absolutely enclosed yep now the biggest difference i've seen between students that come from the lower 48 and i see them and then the ones who come from you is how high they are off the ground tell people what you do with these guys with their bipod heights and when they're shooting prone and how high they are because that's a big difference and you see it when they come up i see it guys like to start out at the lowest possible position because they were told the prone is the most stable and so they want to be more stable by laying on their rifles well, I'm not a fan of that at all. I like to get a guy up on his elbows into a comfortable position where he has control of the rifle. He's not just laying on it and expecting a, uh, a tab gear rear bag or something like that to hold to hold up the rifle for him. We get guys up on their elbows on a higher bipod. Now, I'm not talking about high, but if you're, if you're with a 6 to 9 Harris, you're too low. If you're with a 9 to 13 Harris, I've got something I can work with because I want to work more in that 9 to 13 range than in the 6 to 9 range. So uh, I sell a lot of Elite Iron Revolution bipods. Elite Iron loves me to death because I'm banging them with orders. I brought six to this course, four are gone, Frank. Yeah. And basically... I, I that bipod produces stability that these sh- these shooters who are inexperienced they're automatically getting their groups tightened up without uh, without a lot of uh, we don't see the neck and shoulder problems we don't see any of the issues associated with guys going too low they they're up already they can get in and out of position a little bit faster. Um, and, and, you know, so it, it, it actually cleans up their stuff and we can work with it much better. It, it gets their head erect, gets their shoulders back and relaxed and stuff. They're not holding tension because still so many people try to load the bipod through the shoulders, you know. So by getting them up a little bit, we can they feel that core weight load a little bit. And, and it's, it's like it's, it's adapted to their body type. You know, we're all different. If I go and say, hey, this is uh, my body type, you all should follow what I do. It won't work for those guys. You know, it's not the same. And um, speaking, I went shooting with people. I, we stopped off. Uh, I brought my JP up here, the Valkyrie. Stopped off in Alaska. They got ammo, so I picked up some 62 grain. But then James had got me that American Eagle 75 grain. It's 120 bucks a box of 200 up here. That's cheap. Real cheap. I dropped down right on Campbell's map. My like, Campbell, get out of the way, man. Campbell, Campbell got a cracking up here. The first crack. The first crack. I was at, what was it, Shot Show 17? Yeah. I might have ordered the first cracking. I might have. I'm sure there's there's companies that place big orders. Mm-hmm. But I might have been the first guy to walk up and say, I got a customer, needs a cracking. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, Campbell, move your cracking out of the way. I dropped down stone cold with that JP. I go boom, boom, boom. I fired three shots. I just want to see how the group survived the air travel and the whole thing and the setup. Dude, two in one hole and the other one touching it just like a little lollipop breaking the thing at 100 yards. Freaking with 50 cent garbage ammo. In a gas gun. In a gas gun. And it, it it's it's insane. It's just that good, man. So, you know, we get down and we shoot with these guys. The last hour of the class, we let them shoot anything we want. We mix in and shoot with them. 
guy will be like recoil management yeah yeah we do the recoil management stuff but it's funny because we'll put clay pigeons and something out at a thousand yards and guy oh i'm gonna shoot the third clay pigeon from the left and me or taylor freaking whack it before him you know stuff like that but you know everybody has a good time everybody's learning stuff and and it just works out great man guy said last night that the whole uh, social aspect of this course was probably as good as the instruction. That's not saying much for the instruction. But yeah. The, but but basically, no, they, they love the fact that we're together. It's a contained environment. You're not running off. One guy's going to the day's end. One guy's going to the Best Western over there. And nobody's socializing, Frank. They're not They're not together. <laughs> there is no day's end or Best yeah, Western yeah. We're out We're at there. the Sheep Creek Lodge, mile 88, Parks Highway. <laughs> and that's in a, case you didn't get that. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing around. There's nothing walking distance except rivers and moose. Yeah. You know? So anything you need, you get it here. And, you know? And like, we'll have breakfast. We, we make breakfast. Our breakfast order went in last night with dinner. Now, when we walk out this door and go upstairs for breakfast, it's ready. It's done. There'll be 16, 18 guys standing on the platform. They'll open the door and plates will start hitting the table. We'll walk in at 8, and we'll be at the course, at the classroom at 9 o'clock. No yep. problem. Yep. And that's even with the construction. If the construction wasn't there, It'd we be, would have been yeah. at the classroom at 8.30. Yeah. You know, it, it's that good. All right, I'm going to start wrapping this one up pretty short. We, you can hear we got to get going to work. And uh, this is just course one of, you know, three more to go. So hopefully we'll, we'll squirrel away some time and, and talk to you guys about it. And thank Mark for talking on the podcast. Thanks, Frank. Yep, and I'm going to talk to aliens for pulling that crap out of my neck or putting something in there. I guess they, they may have probably put something in there this time, you know, because there was no bump to pull out. My physical therapist pulled it out. It was a bed bug. <laughs> he got a bed bug. He didn't stay in the Wiggy Hotel. He stayed in another hotel. I did. You think it was a bed bug? I think it was a bed bug. It's an alien bed bug. Yeah. Okay, okay, man. So, anyway, you got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and this is the Everyday Sniper. I guess Mike was uh, shot the Pawnee match, and it was like 100 degrees down there. Uh, so, it was steaming. I got some emails from Nathan and uh, his son. So, Noah and Nathan went and shot it. Well, apparently, Noah hit the 1,250-yard target. He sent me some goofy picture of Mike. It almost looked like Mike was shooting a 22 uh, handgun. So, maybe they're doing that 22 thing they were talking about. Anyway, this is Frank from Sniper's Hide. Stop over to the forum. Say hi. I still got that etiquette one I want to talk to you guys about. There's a bunch. I got it written down. So, we'll get to it. Thank you, guys, and enjoy. <laughs>